What's up, guys? It's Q&A Tuesday. As usual, guys, I want to thank you for all the questions pouring in. It makes this episode possible. So thank you once again for all your questions. Today's question is going to be from a guy whose, answer, whose question I've answered before, a guy by the name of Joseph Whelan. And his question is, can I ask a personal question? How did you get started? Did you have investors to be able to purchase such an extensive inventory of expensive watches and jewelry? Or did you just start small and just built bigger and bigger over the years? Thanks for making great videos. I actually learned a lot from them. Joe, that's actually a great question and I've been asked this question all the time how did you get started how did you get into this how did you make it and so on and so on and so forth and the answer is actually gonna probably take up this entire episode so I hope you guys are ready to hear the Roman Sharp aka the founder story how did it all begin what's my background well I was not raised with a silver spoon in my mouth in fact my family came over back in 1988 to the United States of America as Russian refugees were ran away from the Soviet Union, or my parents rather, and they brought us, the kids, to the United States for a better life. I was raised in a 450 square foot apartment in Brooklyn, New York. It was a studio apartment where me and my sister actually slept in the little kitchen area where you're supposed to eat, but we put a bunk bed there. That's where I was raised. Later, my father got a job in Philadelphia, moved us all over to Philadelphia. Uh, I then finished high school, joined the US military. I uh, did almost three years in the United States military. Um, came out of the military, got some college money, went to Penn State and got into engineering, electrical engineering specifically. But at the time, the computer market was hot, so I got into the more of a programming end of computer science end of things and started working in the banking industry with my latest job landing me in New York City for Deutsche Bank. By the time I was 26, I was a VP at Deutsche Bank. You know, I was doing extremely well, actually, and uh, had an office on the 25th floor overlooking Radio City Hall. And, uh, Thought I was living the American dream until a gentleman by the name of, I'll call him Mr. H, came to my house one day. I knew him through a friend. Uh, and he said, listen, I'm in the watch and jewelry business. He seems to know all this computer stuff. I'm clueless to it. Uh, why don't I bring you some of my stuff and you can throw it up on eBay because this is, watches with, this is where a lot of watches are selling now. And he was a smart guy. He knew where the trends were going. The internet was just starting. My first question to him was, uh, who the hell's gonna buy 10, $15,000 watches online? Now, at the time, I was somebody that was into watches, that liked watches, I knew quite a bit about it, watches. Well, maybe not as much as I do today, but I still knew a decent amount about watches, I was into it. I had already had, had a Rolex, a Frank Mueller, I had a couple of high-end watches, and this is something that intrigued me, but nevertheless, I said, who the hell is gonna buy $15,000 watches online? My wife, Anna, at the time was pregnant with our first son, and she was already at home. She was about six months pregnant. This is how I know how old my business is, because my wife was literally six months pregnant when this whole thing started, and my son is 15 now, so the business is a little over 15 years old. And I kind of wasn't going for it, and my wife was like, listen, I don't really have much better things to do here. I'll take a few pictures here and there, and then uh, you know, throw these things up. You never know, it can be some great additional income. So okay, let's do this. Of course, uh, about uh, a little less than four months later, my son was born, and now my wife was busy full-time. But my son, uh, mind you, I had a pretty demanding job. I probably worked almost 60, 70 hours a week, and I commuted two hours each way to New York City from Philadelphia, so four hours out of my day were the commute. And on top of that, now I had this little business on the side. So I pretty much worked 24-7. I'd be up at five o'clock in the morning, I wouldn't get home till about 7.30, and then I'd probably go to bed at around 11, 12 at best. And there was a baby crying full-time. Interesting times. Um, 
So lo and behold, it went on like this for about th almost three years. And the business started taking off to my surprise. I didn't realize just how much you can do online when it comes to high-end things. And I knew you could sell cheap stuff here and there and eBay was booming, but I never thought that watch guys would actually take to eBay to buy these high-end pieces. Because remember at the time, it was all about the stuffy boutiques and the white glove service and all that other crap. You know, internet guys, I spend 90% of my time convincing guys why they should buy from me, how they can trust me to send me a ton of money basically. But slowly but surely, times have changed and more and more people came, on, came onto the market and online and websites started popping up. There was an unfortunate incident with Mr. H, as I called earlier, where we were never really business partners. This guy simply brought me my stuff. Uh, the company Luxury Bazaar is something that I formed. His company was called something else. And uh, anytime I would sell one of his pieces, he would, he would basically invoice Luxury Bazaar. I would pay him, keep my profit, and, and move on. But it was all his money at the time. Uh, as the two and a half years went by, I probably managed to invest about $65,000 of my own money back into the business. Basically, everything I was making there, I was putting back into the business and, and buying some of my own inventory, on which profit I would share with this guy just the same. But we weren't really partners. Anytime I sold something online, I took half of the profit. Anytime he sold something outside to his own clientele, I would never see any of that profit, which is why we were never really partners, not on paper nor in business, really. And then uh, as the years were going by, I was, I was feeling that, you know, I was kind of being taken a little bit. It's an unfortunate incident, uh, but it happened. And basically what happened was is the guy was front-loading. What front-loading means in my business is he comes to me and says, hey, Roman, our cost on this watch is $10. I go and sell it for 12. I give him 11. I keep a dollar. 50-50 sounds fair. However, it wasn't the case because later on I found out through the vendors that he was using that uh, his cost actually wasn't 10 it was more like eight or seven or even sometimes six so he was basically getting the majority of the profit and lo and behold three years later i was at a crossroads uh, i made a pretty big name for me unfortunately at deutsche bank during 9 11 so when the planes hit the two buildings our development offices got destroyed at 130 liberty which was right across the street it was the building if you remember that had a big chunk of the world trade center stuck right into it i'm sure you saw all those images and uh, because that happened, there was a lot of work that needed to be done for their global payment systems. And I work around the clock to come up with a solution for that system to continue working post 9-11. And uh, I was doing well at the bank. I was going to go places, but at the same time, my business was booming because the internet was booming and so was the watch industry on the internet. So I was at a crossroad and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go my way and I'm going to work for myself. I don't no longer wish to work for anyone else. I guess the biggest reason post 9-11, you had a lot of issues uh, in the markets and financial markets went down and people were getting fired left and right. In fact, one day on my floor alone, I saw about 25% of the people have to get up and leave and escorted by security because they were let go. And I said, you know what, I don't want that to be my faith. I'm just going to go work for myself. With that said, I also had the situation with Mr. H where, you know, things really weren't fair. And I said, if I'm going to do this full time, I'm not going to let this guy take advantage of me. So it didn't really change anything. I simply came to him and said, listen, nothing really changes, but I'm kind of want to do this on my own. I'm going to go find my own vendors. I'm going to go buy my own product and I am going to do this on my own. However, you still have the option to do what you've been doing for all these years. Continue bringing me your merchandise. The only thing I'd like to change is I don't want to know what our cost is. I don't want to know what you paid. I want to know what my cost is. So bring it to me, tell me your own. Your cost is $10. I'll sell it. Whatever I make, I make. And for obvious reasons, because I had that proof at that time that the guy was front-loading and front-loading heavy on me. Of course, he flipped out and started, uh, you know, saying, what are you going to do? And da -da -da, this is bullshit. And, and, and started threatening me and so on and so forth. He's, and the last thing he said to me is like, you know, we're going to go see the elders. And again, that's a loose translation from Russian. This guy was Russian as well. But it's some old Russian gangster shit. 
that you basically go see some guys that are reputable, they're older, and they hear both sides of the story and they tell you who's wrong, who's right. I said, not an issue. We'll do exactly that. The only thing I'll do, I said, the only thing for you to keep in mind is that I am going to bring out uh, everything that I have because everything is computerized, all my invoices, every single sale we made in the last two and a half, three years that we've been together doing this. And the only thing I ask is you provide at least 50% of the invoices that match up to sales. Of course, lo and behold, we never went to the elders. He never showed up because he knew that there's no way he was going to be able to match up his invoices to the sales that I had and quote unquote our costs in there. But anyway, that's uh, water under the rock, so to speak. Uh, I severed my relationship with him. Uh, I reached out to my best friend, Arthur, who's my business partner now, uh, who at the time was in the mortgage business and real estate business. And that's when the financial crash happened. So he was going to be not doing so well. And I told him, I said, let's do this business together. At that particular time, that kind of answers your question, I brought about $65,000 to the table, uh, which is pretty much all I had at the time. That, that kind of came from that business in the last uh, two and a half years. And then Arthur brought about $250,000 to the table from a credit line that he had on one of the properties that he owned. And that's how Luxury Bazaar got started full time. Six years ago, uh, or seven years ago, I started doing business with a company named A&G Jewelers, and these guys were a jewelry wholesaler at the time of 25 plus years. I found uh, one of the partners, A&G stands for Alex and Gary. I met Gary at a local poker game. I moved to a new house, met a neighbor named Michael. Michael says, hey, listen, we do like this home poker game on Tuesdays. Why don't you join us? It'll be a lot of fun to meet some of the local guys and so on and so forth. And I said, sure. I came over, and that's where I met uh, this Gary character. Now, Mr. H, who is the guy that originally left, didn't really have a great reputation in the business. And I met Gary about two weeks prior to me leaving Mr. H. And uh, he, he goes to me, sir, you're partners with Mr. H? I'm like, well, I'm not really partners. I'm the guy that sells stuff for him on the internet. And he gave me this look like I was the biggest asshole in the world. I'm wondering, what the hell? Is this reputation that bad? So about uh, four or five weeks later, I came to another poker game, and that was when I told Mr. H to go scratch, basically, and I, I came. The first thing I told Gary, I said, Gary, I'm no longer with Mr. H. All of a sudden, this guy smiles at me, says, okay, that's really, really good for you. I'm like, okay, next Tuesday, same poker game. <laughs> Gary walks into the game, throws a bag of stuff on the table. He goes, here, go sell this. I'm like, what is this? He's like, take a look. I open it up, I see there's a memo. Uh, with a list of about 30, 40 items and a bunch of watches. I'm like, what is this? And I look at the invoice and it's like 300 grand worth of stuff. At the time, mind you, you know, if the entire capital of the business was maybe that, that was a pretty big deal for somebody just to throw away. I came to the office, I told Arthur, I'm like, yo, we gotta sell this and we gotta sell this quickly. These guys are pretty serious. We, we need a relationship with them. That's how I met Gary. We actually ended up selling all those watches within 30 days, paid them really quick, these guys were happy, and they literally started bringing us stuff. Jewelry to sell, watches to sell. So outside of our own inventory, because of these guys, we managed to crank up our inventory by another 30, 40% even, because these guys have been doing it for 25 years, they had a higher capital and so on and so forth. And over the years, as our business grew, so did their business alongside with us. And after about uh, three, four, five years, uh, me and Gary were in the car going to a trade show somewhere. I'm like, listen, we got a lot of things partnered because at that time, you know, our business grew, we, our funds grew, and we managed to be able to partner bigger deals with them, half a million dollar deals, million dollar deals. We, at that time, had the cash, but we would still bring them in as partners because of the relationship that we had. And as we're talking, I'm like, you know, Gary's like, you know, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea for us to maybe just maybe merge and become partners, you know? Uh, we're pretty old school, you guys are new school, you know, you got the internet, we have all this jewelry. 
I'm like, well, Gary, I hate to break it to you, we're kind of our partners, you know, because at the time we had probably about a million and a half to two million dollars tied in together in deals. So seven years ago, we merged A&G Jewelers into Luxury Bazaar and all became Lux Age Group, which stood for Luxury Bazaar and A&G Jewelers, and all doing business as Luxury Bazaar. And as they say, the rest is history. Uh, last year, we, uh, we recorded about $113 million in sales, out of which about 30% were retail sales. The rest were wholesale sales, because we do a tremendous amount of trade shows and a tremendous amount of wholesale to other watch dealers and jewelry dealers. Uh, we work out of a 20,000 square foot facility. We have about 36 employees at this point. We're still growing. That is a quick version of how I got started. It's a quick version of how I got where I got. Of course, there are a lot more details, a lot more trials and tribulations, and a lot of problems in between and growing pains, but I gave you sort of the quick positive version, so I hope that tells you and answers your question. Bottom line is this. No, I did not have investors. No, this business did start from scratch. I did get lucky, and if Mr. H was honest with me, till this day, he'd be sitting somewhere in the pretty office in this building, enjoying the reaps and the rewards of what he actually has started. So no matter how bad he may have treated me at, a t at the time, and all bad, and no matter the fact that he may have front-loaded and quote-unquote stole money from me as I was selling this product and the business was starting to grow, I'm still till this day thankful to him because if he didn't walk into my house that one day, I would probably still be sitting up on the 25th floor in New York somewhere working for Deutsche Bank or elsewhere and be a corporate figure. Now, I instill all the values that I learned in the corporate world into my own business. We do have a corporate structure here, but without the corporate feel, it's more of a family business with a corporate structure, which is why we wear t-shirts, shorts, and flip-flops to work. Well, guys, uh, I think my time ran about 15 minutes at this point, blabbing on about how this whole thing happened. I hope you guys found this interesting. Sorry that it's only one question answered on this episode. So thanks for tuning in once again, and I'll see you guys next Tuesday for another session of Q&A.